the book of Jonah chapter 2. And uh, I want to read this entire chapter. It's only 10 verses long. And uh, in fact, if we read the entire uh, book, it wouldn't be that long. It wouldn't take us that long, would it? We're all familiar with this story. In fact, I'm going to take for granted that you know a lot of what's going on in the book of Jonah, context here. And uh, chapter 2 is Jonah inside the belly of the whale. Uh, Jesus calls it a whale in Matthew 12. This book here calls it a great fish. But Jonah's inside the belly of the whale, and uh, he's at the bottom, and he's looking up. By the way, when you hit bottom, that's a good thing to do, look up. In fact, sometimes that's the only thing you can do, and maybe that's why we're on the bottom. Never thought about that? God wants us to look to Him. And that's what Jonah says. And he says that in verse 4, I will look again toward thy holy temple. Well, about time, Jonah. Hey, man, that's a good idea, isn't it? Amen. And here he is. And, uh, and I want us to read this chapter of Jonah's prayer from inside the whale's belly. I've given you plenty of time to find Jonah, all right? If you cannot find it, stare intelligently at whatever page you might be on. And nobody will know. And it's on the screens, too, so that'll help you, all right? Jonah 2, look at verse number 1. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remember the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. A nasty, wonderful ending. Amen to chapter number 2. Well, I want you to look here with me where Jonah is at. I would say he's at the bottom. He's reached the bottom emotionally. He's reached the bottom spiritually. And even physically, he is at the bottom. Uh, he is in the belly of a whale. He is at about as low as you could possibly go. But how many of you know that God sometimes has to bring us to those bottom places so we'll look up. And what he found, he found a lot of things, and I don't have time to go into all of it, but what, he found a lot of things in the whale's belly. But one thing he found at the bottom was he found his praise again. He says in verse number 10, But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. He found his thankfulness again in the belly of that whale. And that's what I want to preach on. I want to preach on getting to the bottom of thanksgiving. Let's get to the bottom of it, all right? Jonah got to the bottom of it and he found thanksgiving. And we're going to try to get to the bottom of thanksgiving together this morning. Just look at a few things about 
the doctrine of thanksgiving. I know that's what we talked about last Sunday morning, the theology of thanksgiving. And I want to stay along those lines uh, while we're in this season this month of thanksgiving. And let's uh, see what we can learn. I think it's what Jonah learned while he was at the bottom. Uh, Learned some things about thanksgiving. Let's pray and ask God to help us learn these truths as well. Father, we love you. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful for uh, your goodness in our lives. Lord, you have been so good to us. Lord, help us, Lord, to recognize it and then respond correctly to it with a voice of thanksgiving. Lord, I pray that you would help us not to have to get to where Jonah got before we'll lift up our voices and give you praise and give you thanks and glory and honor for all that you've done for us and all that you are to us. And Lord, I pray that you'd give us a spirit of thanksgiving, Lord, in our hearts and our homes and then even in our church here. And Father, we'll give you the glory for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now we know this account, the story of Jonah, it's so familiar to us, but remember this, when you come to a familiar passage, it's familiar for a good reason. There are good reasons why It's familiar to us. There are timeless truths. There are wonderful truths to be able to be to be mined out of these texts. In fact, the book of Jonah is full of lessons. They are innumerable lessons that we can learn. They are invaluable lessons that we can learn. And that's why we go to this book often. We teach it to young children because it's an amazing story, right, with animals and all kinds of things. But it has great lessons to it. The great lesson here is, I would say, first of all, don't run from God. Amen. That's a stupid idea. Whenever you, listen, every time my dad would say something like this, son, next time a thought like that crosses your mind, just slap yourself. Amen. That's what he would say. I guess to save him the trouble of it, I don't know. But just anytime. So if you ever see me slap myself, it's because something stupid crossed my mind. All right. Can I tell you, listen, that's just, can I keep using the word stupid? Is all right. If you're not supposed to use the word stupid, don't use that word. All right. But I'm going to use it. All right. Because my mom and dad's not here. All right. That's a crazy idea. That's a stupid. Don't run from God. Number one, you can't outrun God. Number two, it's never going to end well for you. All the blessings of life are with God and in His presence and in obedience to God, not running away from God. Let me get an amen right there. I can move off of that. Okay, don't run from God. Number two, if you do run from God, He sure is merciful, isn't He? Isn't that a great lesson in the book of Jonah? Man, a second, he said, I will look again. toward I, Just the simple fact that he had the opportunity to look again and to cry out to God and repent, that is the mercy of God. That is the grace of God. You see the grace of God all throughout the book of Jonah, right? First of all, you see God's mercy and God's grace on a wicked city called Nineveh, right? He sent them a preacher to warn them of judgment. He gave an opportunity to get right, and then in the end, he spared them. That's mercy. That's grace. Then you see uh, God's mercy and grace in Jonah's life, right? Like an idiot, he ran from God, and God didn't just zap him dead. No, God had mercy on him and forgave him and even used him again. In fact, the whale, a lot of times people look at the whale and say, man, that's the judgment of God. The whale was not the judgment of God. The whale was the mercy of God. The judgment of God would have been if Jonah would have got thrown overboard out of that boat and there was no whale. That would have been judgment. But the fact that the whale came by and swallowed him up and gave him an opportunity to repent, rethink some things, refocus on some things, reevaluate some things. That's the grace of God and that's the mercy of God. And then you can even see God's grace. I see it in that little bitty worm at the end of the book of Jonah. How about that? God gave, God gave a, a little bitty worm, gave him a big old gourd to eat on. That's grace right there. Amen. 
So you can see God's grace through all throughout the book of uh, throughout the book of Jonah, God is a merciful God. God has mercy on us. And our text that we've read, chapter 2, it's a prayer that Jonah prays uh, to God from the belly of the whale. And when I read this chapter, I'm reminded of a few things. This is the outline before the outline, all right? This is the way I can get two of them in there. I thought about, you see, when you read that, you read about what sin will do. Chapter 2 is a testimony of what sin will do. Can I tell you something? Sin will ruin your life. Jonah is at the bottom. Jonah was a, a respected prophet. He was a man of God. And now we find out he starts running from God. That's sin. It's called rebellion. It's not right. When God tells you to do one thing and you do something else, that's called disobedience. That's called rebellion. And that's sin. And can I tell you where? Let me tell you, what's, what will sin do? Sin will take you to the bottom. That's what it'll do. 11 times out of 10, that's what it'll do in your life. It'll always take you to the bottom. It'll always take you to the depths. That's where sin, the sin will take you to the muck. It will take you to the mire. It will take you to the nasty. You think inside that whale's belly was a pleasant place to be? How many of y'all think it smelled good in there? I mean, listen, you, listen, you smelled a, a, a teenage boy's room. This is ten times worse, or at least five times worse. A whale's, I mean, it smelled bad. It felt bad. It tasted bad. Everything was bad. It wasn't nothing good about that at all. And I'm telling you what, that's exactly what sin do. Sin will take your life and make it nasty and make it ruinous and make it awful. And that's exactly where sin will take you. It doesn't, in fact, you can read through the book of Jonah and it, you can f- highlight, go through chapter one and find out everywhere it says down. And there were sins that he went down. He went down. He went down here and he went down there. And then he went down and they cast him over the side of a boat. And then he went down into the sea and then went down in the whale's belly. Went down. It wasn't until he started getting right with God in the verse, uh, in, in chapter number 3, he started going up. Arise and go to Nineveh. And the whale spit him up and he went up and up and up. That's when you go up is when you get right with God. But what sin will do, it will rob you of your fellowship with God. Now, the old theological question about Jonah too was Jonah did he die was he in hell he uses that word hell and all that I don't know come see me after church and I may give you some opinions on that all I know is this sin that is where sin takes you it takes you to hell isn't that right and if you're saved it will separate you from fellowship with God and it'll make your life feel like hell isn't that right I'm not using that word out of context either I'm using it right that's what hell is it's separation from God That's what sin does. Not only do we see what sin will do, but we see what God does. What does God do? Jonah recognized that God's hand was in all of his misery. Do you see that? I'll tell you what God does when his children run away from him and try to do wrong. He chastises them. That's what God does. God's a good father. How many of you know that? He's going to whoop his kids. You know what the definition of bad parents are? Bad parents are those who don't whoop their kids. Amen. Amen, that's right. If you don't discipline your kids, you're not... A, you say, man, that's horrible. That's what the Bible says. Right? That's Proverbs. Isn't that right? If you don't correct your children, Proverbs says you hate your child. You don't hate them. I don't know a good parent that hates their kids. <laughs> so God is a good parent. He's a loving parent. He corrects So what does God do? What does God do when we sin? He corrects us. We find out what sin does. We find out what God does. He, in fact, God recognized, uh, Jonah recognized it as God in his life. Look at verse number 3. He said, verse number 3, he said, For thou, 
hadst cast me into the deep. Well, I thought it was the sailors. I thought it was the mariners. I thought it was the, the, the men on the boat in chapter 1 that cast you into the sea. No, 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 no. Let's look, everybody look up here. It wasn't them. God cast him into the sea. That was God's judgment. Look what he says. Look in, in, in verse number 3. In the midst of the seas, and the floods come past me about all. Whose billows was it? Thy billows. Whose waves were they? Thy waves passed over me. Jonah recognized this is the hand of God. He recognized it in chapter number 1, obviously. But he, he's reiterating it in chapter number 2 in his prayer. He knew it was God. That's why he told them boys to throw me overboard. This is God. This is God. In fact, the, in fact, it amazed the sailors so much that when they threw Jonah over that the sea was calm, that they got right with God. They called on the name of the Lord. They gave God glory and gave God praise and made vows, the Bible says in chapter number 1. And so they recognized it was God through all of this. And that is exactly what God does. God will take care of His children. He will not let you run too far and run too long. If you really, listen to me, if you really belong to Him, He's going to get you. Amen. It's what sin does. It's what God does. What does His chastisement do? What does God's chastisement do? Well, we see that in chapter number 2 as well. It works. That's what it does. It works. Jonah cried out. You know what? He decided he, he, he gets thrown into a sea, thinks he's going to die, but then he gets swallowed by a whale, and he's sitting there all nasty and everything. And you know what? He starts thinking to himself, you know what? I think I ought to get right with God. That's a great idea. That's one of the greatest ideas you'll ever have right there. You know what? I think I ought to get right with God. I think I ought to, I think I ought to look God's direction again. I think I, I'm going to look again toward His holy temple. Man, that's a great decision, Jonah. In verse number 7, he said, When my soul faint within me, I remembered the Lord. Remember God. He hasn't forgot about you. Don't forget about Him. Amen. Remember God. That's what chastisement does. It is intended to bring you back to God. That's what Hebrews 12 says. It says that no chastening for the present time is joyous, but it's grievous. Nevertheless, afterward. I like that. See, the, the spanking, the whooping, the chastisement, the judgment. It's not because God gets some kind of sick pleasure from hurting His children. That's not why you correct. In fact, if a parent does that, that's abusive. That's what's called abuse right there. But it's not for abuse. It's for correction. Isn't that right? It's for correction. It's for the afterward. It's the after effect. And that's what Hebrews 12, 11 says. But afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. What does God want in our life? He wants righteousness. He wants you to live right. The, the psalmist said in Psalm 23 that he, that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He restoreth my soul and all that kind of stuff. He talks about the staff and the rod. They comfort me. And here's what he said. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness... For His name's sake. He leads me in paths of righteousness. He has that rod and that staff. And not only does it comfort and correct and protect, but it also is a means of getting that sheep back to where he needs to be. It's got a little crook in it. And to get that sheep back to where it needs to be, it's to get him in line, get him back in paths of righteousness. And listen, you got a choice. You can either walk in those paths of righteousness, you can obey God, you can listen to God, you can do what He says, or you can get the rod. And He'll pull you back in. Right? You can either do what God says, or guess what? You're going to get the well. Amen. And he's going to swallow you up and then he'll spit you back out. When you get right with him, he'll spit you back out. Point it in the right direction. Amen. I mean, y'all still with me? That's what God's doing. That's what we see going on in this chapter. We see what sin does. We see what God does. We see what chastisement does in our life. But also we see, and here's what I want to hunker down on just for a second. We see what Thanksgiving does. 
We see what praise does. It has an effect too, doesn't it? We see all of these at work. All of these work. And Jonah got refocused on God. And that's what he did. He, he, like, he, had a, he had a light bulb moment in his life. Verse 8 and verse 9. Why don't you just bracket verse 8 and verse 9. Put it like, highlight them, just circle in. This is the epiphany that he had. This is the moment that he had when he realized, man, I, everything I'm doing is not working. I think I need to get right with God. I think I need to learn the lesson that God is trying to teach me. I think I need to realign my thinking with God's thinking. That's what chastisement does. I don't know what it is, but there's something connected to the tailbone, to the brain cells. Does anybody know that? I've not learned this in an anatomy class or anything like that, but there's something that goes here. Because I just know when mom and daddy, when they applied pressure here, things changed here. And you know what? Before I was mad and I thought mom and dad were stupid and I thought, what in the world? And then they start, if you hit them enough times, I'm going to take this offline or I'm gonna, we're going to get a... A visit from uh, this, whatever you call it here at the, at the house. But anyway, you hit them enough times, and guess what? They start thinking different. Now, you hit them too many times, they're really going to be thinking different, all right? You have to get them coloring books for Christmas, but don't hit them, don't hit them that many times. It's amazing how Dad would start applying pressure here. You know, I thought, I started thinking, you know what? You are right. Man, you've been right this whole time, and I just didn't realize it. Wow, Dad. You're smarter than I thought you were. <laughs> You're not a dummy. I'm the dummy. You ain't the dummy. I'm the dummy. It's amazing how that thing works, isn't it? And then it gets you to the place where not only you start learning lessons, but then you even thank God for what He's done in your life. And Jonah got refocused. There was a refocusing. There was a realignment. There was a renewal of his mind in this whale's belly. And he got back, not only did he get back to God, listen to me, he got back to thankfulness. He got back to praising God. Because let me tell you something, they're one and the same. When you get away from God, it's because you've got away from thankfulness. When you get back to God, it'll be a revival of thanksgiving in your heart and in your life. It really is that simple. And when Jonah got to the bottom of life, he got thankful again. And I want you to notice the effect that it had in his life and the effect it'll have in our life as well, the effect of thanksgiving in our life. Number one, let me say something about thanksgiving. First of all, thanksgiving has a repaying effect. It has a repaying effect or a, 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 an effect of recompense. It, it will help repay things. Look at, look, at, look, at, look at verse number nine. I want you to notice the wording here in verse number nine. He said, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I want you to underline that word sacrifice right there. And then he said, I will pay that that I have vowed. I will pay that that I have vowed. Jonah speaks of giving God thanks and giving God thanksgiving. He speaks of it as one who owes a debt. He speaks of it like he's one that owes a debt. And can I tell you, it's exactly that same way in our life. We owe a debt of gratitude to God. We owe a debt of thanksgiving to God. It's not just, some, it's not just like we're tipping God. Like, okay, hey God, you know what? You've been kind of good to me this week. I'm just kind of, I'm going to give you a little bit. I'm going to give you a little praise. Whoop, you know. I'm going to give you a little, thank you, Lord. I'm going to give you a little, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to raise my hand just a little bit. I'm going to tip God. No, 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 no. It's not, we're not tipping God. We are so 
obligated. We are so indebted. God has done so much for us. You understand the hole that you're living in right now of indebtedness, of gratitude to God? There is no way. How in the world could you pay God back for all the things that He has done and is doing currently for us? You can't buy a breath. You cannot buy one breath, can you? If you were going to put a price tag on one breath, how much would you pay for one breath? Can you put a price tag? But can I tell you, God has not just given you one, but has given you one after another for as long as you've been alive. Ain't no way you can just pay God back just for the air that you breathe. And then start stacking on everything else that we have temporary, and then start stacking on top of it everything that we have eternal, and we are eternally indebted to God. Thanksgiving is a debt that we owe. And when we give God thanks, when we give God glory, we are repaying a debt of gratitude that we have to God. It's the vow that God demands for us to be kept. It is the sacrifice that God demands to be placed on the altar of worship. Give God your praise. You don't have to bring Him a lamb. You don't have to bring Him a ram. You don't have to bring Him your money. You don't have to bring Him your time. You don't have to bring Him your service necessarily. He wants praise. He wants thanksgiving. By the way, if you do that, you'll bring Him them other things when He has all of you. But He wants thanksgiving. He wants praise. It's amazing. You go through the Psalms, you say, that vow, that idea of a vow, I promised it. I'm going to pay it. I owe it to God. You'll see that. Uh, it's always connected to praise and thanksgiving. I'll just blow through a few Psalms here. Psalm 22, 25. My praise shall be of the in the great congregation, I will pay my vows before them that fear him. Psalm 50, 14. Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. Psalm 56, 12. Thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee. And then you get over into the New Testament. Hebrews 13 tells us, By him, that's talking about Jesus Christ. Therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise unto God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. It's your lips. you got to say something. You can't be thankful without saying something. And if you're truly thankful, it's going to come out your lips. Amen. Give Him glory. Put it on the altar. There's no way. Listen, just for Him sending His Son Jesus to die for our sin, how are you going to pay Him back for that? And every other religion, that's what they teach. They teach... Uh, uh, they teach that uh, we we they teach this indebtedness, but their response to it is wrong. They say we're indebted to everything that God has done, so therefore we got to try to work to pay Him back, right? Listen, some people go to some people probably even come to this church because they feel like they got to work to pay God back. Can I tell you that's wrong? You won't last long. You'll burn out real quick because you know what you find out? It's like you're trying to pay off a, a quadrillion dollar loan. You'll never be able to do it. It's a bazillion dollars. That's the technical term for that amount, bazillion. It's that much. Can you imagine, what, what, if, 
What if, what if somebody put that debt on you? You would just give up. You'd say, that's what people do when they have so much debt. They don't think it's, it's surmountable. They don't think they'll ever be able to overcome it. They'll never be able to conquer it. What do they do? They declare bankruptcy, right? They just say, I give up in despair. That's why a lot of people in church, they give up. and just done. They say, well, you know what? If i got to do this, and I don't read my Bible enough, and I don't visit enough, and I don't pass enough tracks out, and I don't go to church enough, and I don't do this. And so you know what? I'm just going to sit here, and I'm just going to give up. You know, think you got to repay. That's not how this indebtedness thing works. God doesn't look for you to pay Him back because you can't pay Him back. You can, if you had a zillion lifetimes, you could never work enough to pay God back. You understand that? He don't want you to pay Him back. He don't, he's not looking for you to pay Him anything. All He's looking for you to do is recognize that you do owe a debt and then give Him glory for paying it all for you. Amen. Just give Him thank, just a simple thank you. Just gratitude. Just praise. Just give Him glory. That's what He's looking for. And when we give God thanks, it is almost like a form of repayment. Not in the fact that we'll ever be able to pay it back, but that it is giving God what He deserves and what He owes. The psalmist said, What shall I render unto the Lord for all His benefits toward me? He said, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all His people. What shall I render unto the Lord for all of His benefits? Just give God glory. Just praise His name. And while Jonah was sitting in the belly of that well, it come to him that, you know what? He's way behind on his Thanksgiving bill. He's way behind. In fact, that, that belly of that well for him, it was almost a, a form of debtor's prison it was, is what it was. He, he, he ceased to be thankful to God. And here he is thinking about how much praise and honor and glory he owes to God. And it took him getting to the bottom before he would realize that. By the way, it don't have to do that. You don't have to get to the bottom before you realize how much praise and honor and glory and thanksgiving He deserves. You don't have to be sitting in debtor's prison. Why don't you keep your bill paid up, amen, and just praise Him. Just praise Him. Just give Him glory. It's a type of repayment is what it is. But not only does thanksgiving have a repaying effect, but I would say that thanksgiving, secondly, has a revealing effect. It has a revealing effect. I want you to notice something in verse 9. How many of y'all still with me? Say amen. All right. That'll work. I'll take it. It has a revealing effect. Notice in verse number 9, he says, But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. Look at the conjunction that begins verse number 9. It's a contrast. You see the word but? It's always a, it's a con, it's contrasting whatever was just said. Well, we've got to go back to verse number 8, right? Here's the lesson that he learned sitting in that whale's belly. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Now, lying vanities... You can run that reference through the Word of God. We're not going to take time to do it this morning, but I want you to run that, and here's what you'll find. You'll find lying vanities is just simply another word for idols, is what that is. Lying vanities. Lying, you know what lying is? How many of you know what, you know what lying is? Raise your hand. All right, if you didn't raise your hand, that's what it is. <laughs> vanities. Does anybody know what vanity is? It's emptiness. It's nothingness. So idols... And you'll find that lying vanities is just another word for idols. Idols are just that, right? They are 
They're deceptive. They, they, they give the appearance that they're one thing, the illusion that they're one thing, but they're not. But they're actually nothing, right? They're vanities. They, they absolutely, they're just deceitful nothingness is what idols are. Obviously, Jonah has done a little bit of introspection. He's done a little investigation in his own heart. He knows what's in his own heart. And he realizes at the bottom of all this, the reason he's sitting at the bottom of life right now, and the reason he's at the bottom is because there had been some idolatry in his life. And he said, when I observed, when I gave my life to those idols, when I gave my... And I'm not talking about... I'm, I don't even think Jonah was worshiping little pagan statues. I just think it means anytime you leave the true and living God, you, that is idolatry right there. Anytime you put anything else ahead of God, anytime you look to something else and set for satisfaction. And by the way, that was the lie that Jonah believed. God gave Jonah a command, I want you to go to Nineveh. And, Nineveh, and Jonah thought, no, I don't want to do that. If I do that, I'm going to be miserable. I will be happier outside the will of God than I will be in the will of God. That's always the lie of idols. Idols always say, you'll be happier over here doing forsaking God, worshiping something else. This will fulfill you better. This will satisfy you more. Do this. This is where the real satisfaction is. And the lie of the devil and the lie of his idols are always, which is nothing more than demons is what it is. And here's what it is. The lie is always this, that if you do God's will, you'll be miserable. The devil always says that. If you sell out to God, if you surrender to God, if you give everything to God, you're going to be miserable. That's what the devil lies about all the time. That's what Jonah believed, right? Didn't he believe that? That's why God said, go here. He went there. So he thought, if I, go, if I do what God says, I'm going to be miserable. Well, you know what he found out? You're actually miserable over here. You're not miserable over here. You're miserable over here. When you run away from God, that's where the misery is. You say, that's, how can we believe the opposite? Because the devil's a liar. He, lie, he, literally, he just flat out lies. He tells you, here's the truth, and he tells you the opposite, and he makes it look so appealing and so believing. That's why many, even some sitting in here today, you're far away from God, you're backslid on God, you're miserable as can be, you're sitting at the bottom of the, of the ocean, you're in the belly of the whale somewhere, you're absolutely miserable, and, uh, and, but you thought that if you go that way, you would be happy. But guess what? It's a lie. It doesn't work that way. In fact, Jonah found out, you know what I've done? I've forsaken my own mercy. That's what he says in verse 9. He said, there's no mercy. I mean, listen, the consequences of sin are merciless. It's a horrible life. It's an, it's an awful life. So he deals with that. Verse number 9, he says, but. So we're contrasting. We're opposite. This is Jonah saying, I'm going the other direction. I'm going the opposite way. I'm not going to live li believing these lies anymore. I am going to go this way. And what direction does Jonah go in his heart? He says, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. Jonah ran toward thankfulness. He ran toward thankfulness. In fact, that's what Jonah forsook. He ran back to what he had forsaken to begin with. The lifestyle, this was the lifestyle that he was forsaking for a spirit of thankfulness. I'm not going to live observing these lying vanities anymore. They're opposites. They're opposites. You see, thanksgiving has a revealing effect. In fact, the lack of thanksgiving has a revealing effect. In fact, if you want to measure your spiritual life, measure your thankfulness. It's just that simple. It displays, it reveals, your gratitude reveals where you are with 
God. Because when we are thankful to God, we are obedient to God. When we are thankful, when we live our life, listen to me now, when we live our life with a constant recognition of the goodness of God, all the things, that, the doctrinal things I preached on last week, the goodness of God, the greatness of God, the glory of God, when we live our lives with a constant recognition and belief of those things, it will change the way that we live. You remember reading in Romans 1 where it talks about the route to apostasy? One of the things about the apostates in Romans 1 was neither were they what? Thankful. Second Timothy 2, Paul said, In the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of themselves and boasters and proud and heady high. All those. And one of the things he says is what? They're going to be what? Unthankful. Gratitude or lack thereof is always a revelation of where you are with God. Can I say this about Jonah? The moment God gave him orders from headquarters to go to Nineveh, and the moment he heard that and decided to go the other way, he left his gratitude. You can't run from God and be thankful to God at the same time. Every step he took toward Joppa, every mile he went on that boat, every every moment he was fleeing from the presence of God, there wasn't thanksgiving in his heart. There was no thankfulness. There was no thanksgiving inside. There was no gratitude inside of him. You see, rebellion and disobedience and idolatry, all those are are just outward displays of ingratitude on the inside. If you're truly thankful to God, honestly... Truly thankful, real thankfulness to God is not singing a song. It's not even saying amen. It's not raising a hand. You can run three laps. It's not taking a lap. Real, real thanksgiving to God is obedience. It's what it is. It's obedience. The best illustration I can think about in the Bible is probably Old Testament Joseph. Genesis 39, well, Potiphar's wife tempts him. Nobody's in the house. He's a young man. He's never been married. She's probably an attractive woman, I'd imagine, unless Potiphar just married an ugly woman, and that could have happened. He was rich and famous. I, I don't know. I'll let y'all figure it out. Old Miss Potiphar comes by and says, Joe, let's go. And Joe says, no. But then he gave his rationale, didn't he? He gave his, what was his reasoning? He began to talk about how good God had been in his life. He said, no, my master, I can't do that to my master. My master's been good to me, and I can't sin against God. God's been good to me. What was it that kept Joseph right? It was thanksgiving. It was gratitude. It was thankfulness for what God had done in his life and what God had put in his life. Every sin in your life started with ingratitude. It started with ingratitude. When you start taking things for granted, you start getting real wicked real quick. But when you realize that everything that you have comes from the good hand of a gracious God, you'll think second thoughts before disobeying Him and before living in rebellion. I'm telling you what, rebellious kids in the home, they take their parents for granted. They do. Rebellious teenagers, they're taking, they might as well just spit in their parents' face and say, I hate you. Amen. Because that's what you tell you. You're not thankful. 
kids that are truly thankful for their mom and dad and all they provide and all they give to them, they obey what they say. They listen to them. Your disobedience is just the outward revelation that you, you don't love them. You don't, aren't appreciative of the sacrifices they make for you. Say amen right there, mom and dads. You know that's right. And it's the same way with us and God. It's the same way that when we disobey Him, when we rebel against Him. And I know ingratitude is sin, but no, no, no. I want you to flip that. Sin is ingratitude. At really, at the bottom of all of it, it's ingratitude. Idolatry is ingratitude. It's not being appreciative of who God is and what God has done for you in your life. Therefore, if you live in a state of thanksgiving and a state of appreciation for God and gratitude towards God, you will live in holiness toward God. Ingratitude is sin, but sin is ingratitude. Unthankfulness is sin, but sin is unthankfulness. And our sin, our disobedience, it reveals our gratitude or lack thereof. Amen. Everybody all right on that point right there? It's true, though. It is true. It is true. It's hard pill to swallow, but it's true. Because... It's amazing. When Jonah turned from idols and turned from the, the deception that he had been living in, what did he turn to? He turned to thanksgiving. It's the opposite of disobedience. Thanksgiving. Let me give you one last one and I'm done. Getting to the bottom of this, ain't we? Well, it has a, it has a repaying effect. It has a revealing effect. But then I would say last and I'm done. This is probably the most obvious. It has a resolving effect, doesn't it? fixes things. It really does. You'd be surprised what a little thanksgiving will do in your life. What a little gratitude will do in your life. Look what it says. We know this in verse 10. And the Lord spake unto the fish and vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. How many of y'all believe that was a coincidence? Jonah started praising God. Jonah started getting thankful and, and the fish got sick. Y'all think that was an accident? Y'all think that was coincidence? Or do y'all think God had something to do with it? Well, I know he did because look what Jonah said in the verse 4. Salvation is of who? It's of the Lord. The Lord does that. The Lord saved Jonah. By the way, salvation is of the Lord. That's where deliverance comes. That's where salvation comes. And I'm not just talking about salvation from hell. That is definitely of the Lord. Say amen. That's the only place you'll get. I'm talking about when I got saved from hell, that's not the only time I've been saved in my life. I'm not Pentecostal. Don't worry. I believe in once saved, always saved. But I'm talking about being saved from sin and being saved from shame and being saved from myself and from consequences of my own decision. God has saved me over and over and over and over and over and over again. And if you want deliverance in your life, if you want restoration in your life, if you want joy in your life, if you want that sweet fellowship restored in your life, you're going to have to look to God because He's the only one in the salvation business. It's of Him or you ain't getting it at all. And when you start praising Him and start thanking Him and start giving Him the glory, it has a saving effect on your life. When there is humble confession of sin and there is an agreement with God and a realignment with God, listen, it will always be met with forgiveness and grace and mercy, and restoration of fellowship. Aren't you glad if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness? I think some of you would be surprised how wonderful repentance really is. 
And how wonderful it is. How wonderful thanksgiving. Getting back to giving God glory. Getting back to thanksgiving. It's great. In fact, some people, they've lived in the whale's belly so long, they've put up curtains. And they just, well, this is just, like, this is just how it is. And you know what? It don't smell that bad in here. It's really not that bad. No, it's awful. It's nasty. Why are you living in that junk right there? Be a lot better. You just threw your hands up. Come back to God. Give them some glory. Say, God, I've been so ungrateful. I've been a wretch. I've been so unappreciative. But Lord, I want to give you glory. God, you gave me everything I got. You gave me breath in my body and life and, and my family and my salvation and my Bible and my church and my country. God, you've been so good to me. And you'd be surprised how that will deliver you out of some pretty nasty circumstances in your life. Amen. There's some things you can only praise your way out of. Amen. You're waiting for, the, you're waiting for the, the resolution and then you're going to... You say, well, I'll look back and praise God. No, God said, no, you praise me and then I'll solve it. I ain't got time to go through the Bible on all those. You praise me, then I'll say, God, you solve it and I'll praise you. God said, no, you praise me and I'll solve it. In fact, you praising me, that is your solution because that is your problem. We just, some people just... Miss Batty, you can come around. I'm done. Some people just had not gotten miserable enough yet, have they? It's like, how much more miserable do you need? I mean, just not miserable enough yet. I mean, how, how much lower? How much lower? Jonah was as low as you can get. I don't know how much lower you can get. <laughs> how much lower are you going to get? Aren't, aren't you tired of being on the bottom? It's amazing. As soon as he st- I mean, just as soon as he spouted out Thanksgiving. Blah! Came out of his mouth, and then he came out of the whale's mouth. And then I made just like that. That, by the way, that is the solution to your problem right there. It really is. Say, Lord, if I, man, if Lord, if you just fix this right here, if you just fix this, man, I would be so thankful. No, your problem is you're ungrateful for what you got right now. And you getting thankful for what God's done right now in your life, it'll solve all them other things. It's your will. That's it. It has a resolving effect. It's amazing how just getting thankful. It won't always change your circumstances, but it'll change you in your circumstances. And that's probably what you need more than anything. God, I need more money. No, you need to be thankful. Lord, I need a better report of the doctor. No, you need to be thankful is what you need. Because guess what? You may not get no more money. You may not get a better report, but you can always be thankful to God. I can't, happen, I can't help what happens to me, but I can help what happens inside of me. And by the good grace of God, I want to resolve with everything that I have that I'm going to praise Him and give Him glory because He is worthy of it. Jonah didn't know he was going to be spit out of that whale necessarily. He just got right with God. And getting right with God fixed his problem. And by the way, it'll fix about, I don't know, I don't know a problem that getting right with God won't fix. I really don't. It solves us, and that's the biggest problem we have. Um, Lord, I, I want, and this ought to be our prayer, is, is Lord, please give us, our, give us our thanksgiving back. Give us our, don't let it take, get, how, how, long, how far deep are you going to have to go before you'll get thankful? Don't let it get that far. Amen. Don't let it get that far. Let's stand together all over the...